Good evening all. It would be good to keep your Bible open as we look at this passage. And for the kids, uh, there is a worksheet, so if that's helpful, uh, as you want to follow along, then that would be great too. Let me pray, and then let's look at this passage together. Dear Lord, as we reflect on your word this evening, I pray that you will speak to each of us clearly, that your spirit will open our hearts and minds and hands to see how we might honour you with the gifts that you have given us. Amen. When we struggle to be motivated, uh, even the most basic tasks can just feel like an insurmountable object that no one could possibly achieve. So as evidence, I submit Exhibit A, the dishwasher. Such a simple task and yet just so impossible in the moment. Uh, But equally, uh, when we are motivated, uh, then we are willing to go to all sorts of extraordinary lengths to get the desired outcome. And, And we're willing to sort of find new and ingenious ways to overcome whatever obstacle stands before us. Uh, When I was in year nine, uh, I had a crush on a girl at youth group. And uh, she caught a train and a bus to school, and I caught a train and a bus to school. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, not the same bus. But uh, if I went a bit further and up a rather large hill, uh, then I could casually perhaps just happen to end up at the same place at the same time. Um, But of course, being a Year 9 boy, uh, we're not known for being the most organised lot, and so often it was less of a sort of a leisurely stroll up to the the bus and more of sort of a a frantic sprint. And let me tell you, it's not easy to get to a bus and look sort of casual, cool, calm and collected after you've just sprinted up a hill with, you know, your school bag. Uh, But it was worth it uh, for for sort of 15 minutes of of sort of awkward conversation. Uh, And I can say uh, that it, it paid in the end. Okay, after a little bit of rejection uh, on her behalf uh, and a few other sort of irrelevant details, uh, we have now been married uh, for for 21 years. But the point is, perseverance does pay off, but also that we do what we want to do. Uh, If we are really motivated, then we will do everything in our power to make it happen. And if we're not so motivated, uh, then we'll make excuses. Uh, We saw that last week, didn't we, as we talked about what does it mean to be committed? Committed Committed to Christ, but also committed to one another. Uh, and we'll see the similar thing as we talk tonight about what it means to serve one another and to serve Christ. And uh, we've just finished a series in the parables, so it feels a little bit strange uh, after one week to now come back and do another parable. But it just seemed so appropriate and so apt for this theme that I just couldn't let it pass. Uh, and like most parables, uh, it has both a word of encouragement but also a sting in the tail. And so I want to bring out uh, three ideas. Uh, We all have gifts. Uh, Number two, we can make a difference. And number three, using our gifts is not an optional extra. So our parable begins uh, with a master going on a journey. And he entrusts his servants with this astounding amount of money. So the NIV translates it as bags of gold. Uh, More literally, it was talents. 
and a talent of gold was worth about the equivalent of 20 years wages for a labourer. Okay, so it's an astounding amount of money. And each of these labourers is given a certain amount of money. So the first is given five, uh, the other two, and the next one. And as the man goes on this journey, he represents Jesus. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's about to go and be with his Father in heaven. And he's saying, a time will come when I'm going to return, and when I, want, when I do, I want to see that you have been useful with what I have given you. And so the talents of gold represent the gifts and abilities that he's given us to use in his service. And the first thing you notice is that he doesn't give us all the same thing. Uh, So there are some people, kind of the five-talent person, uh, who just seem to be exceptionally gifted at everything. Uh, They are gifted leaders, they are gifted speakers, they are gifted thinkers, they they sing and dance and play rugby, and in their spare time they help homeless kittens. Uh, They're the type of person that that we would love to hate, uh, except they're just so nice. And then there are other people uh, who perhaps aren't good at everything, but they are very good at something. Uh, They are gifted musicians, or they are good at offering just the right word of comfort at the right moment. Or they're good at talking to people about Jesus in a way that's sort of clear and gracious. But I think for some of us, uh, we do struggle to say, well, what am I actually good at? What has got, you know, I'm not good at those things. And particularly, you know, if you look at the upfront stuff, you go, well, I'm not really an upfront person. So what am I good at? What does God want me to do? And what's he given me? So here's a bunch of questions that I think are helpful. They're kind of diagnostic questions to help us think about ourselves. So the first one is, uh, do I love Jesus and do other people see that I love Jesus? And we're clearly not going to be perfect, but if I'm going to do things in the name of Jesus, then people should be able to see in my life that I take Jesus seriously and that my example is going to point people to Jesus. Uh, Number two, uh, what personality traits do I have that I could use to serve others? Are you empathetic and caring? Are you an extrovert and just like talking to strangers as you line up for your groceries at the shopping centre? Are you decisive and able to lead? Number three, what gifts do I have that God could use? What gifts do I have that God could use to serve others? So things like, are you a good administrator or gifted musically or are you good at explaining the Bible? And number four, what needs do I see around me? Uh, It might be something like reading the Bible in our service. It might be cleaning the toilets. Uh, It might be looking after the kids during toddler time during the week. Uh, Number five, what time can I realistically and sustainably and generously make available? So rather than what are the scraps that I've got left over, how can I be intentional with my time? And then number six, and people often add this to the list, but I think you need to add it with a caveat. Uh, What am I passionate about? Now, if you love talking to kids about Jesus and you are gifted at talking to kids about Jesus, then that's fantastic. Do it and do it well. But I'm not sure if anyone really says the same thing about cleaning the toilets. I don't think anyone goes, I just love it. It's awesome. 
Yeah, and sometimes in life, we've just got to simply do what needs to be done because it needs to be done and we can do it. And sometimes that's incredibly humbling uh, and tedious and sometimes time-consuming. But we do it because we're motivated by a desire to honour Jesus in our life. You know, I remember hearing this story once of a cleaning lady who uh, worked in a cafeteria for a large company and she took incredible pride in her work. Now, like, she wasn't just a good worker. She kept this space absolutely spotless. And someone came and asked her one day, you know, what motivates you to do such a good job? Uh, And she said to them, you know, "I, I clean this room as if Jesus himself is about to walk in and sit down. Now, that's just an awesome attitude, isn't it? You know, Paul uh, said something similar, the Apostle Paul, uh, when he was talking to the Christians in Colossae. He said, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we need to be prepared to do whatever it takes to get the job done within our ability. But I do also think there's some wisdom in recognising that it is good to divide up our labour. Uh, we are not all good at the same things. You know, in our church, I'm so thankful for people who look after administration. Uh, they're better at it than I am. And as they do the, that role, then it frees me up to use my gifts to do other things. Uh, and of course, as, as Christians, and as we've got different gifts, we all work together, don't we? And in the end, what we can achieve is greater than the sum of our parts. Uh, but we all serve with a common goal. Uh, we want to see people coming to love Jesus and to grow in their love for him. And of course, it's not just limited to what we do at church. It's not just limited to church services or church admin. Uh, it's, it's all of life. Uh, It's it's our relationships with our family. Uh, It's how we connect with people in our work. Uh, It's how we spend time and love and care for our neighbour. But whatever it is, how do we use it to serve the Lord? Uh, And when we do, it makes a difference. So verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. You know, sometimes God works dramatically through our gifts. I think in our modern era, you, know, you think of someone like Billy Graham. You know, he stood up and he talked about Jesus and literally thousands of people were saved. You know, to keep with sort of our, our water metaphor, you know, going through this series, he was a bit like the wave at Nazareth in Portugal. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Uh, that, that's a surfer, that little stripe down the middle, that's some bloke surfing that way. Uh, that is just inconceivable. Uh, but you know, most of us, of course, don't feel like that. You know, we don't feel we've sort of got tsunami-sized gifts. In fact, we sort of feel our size, our gifts are a little bit more drop in the ocean, uh, let alone a wave, let alone a sort of tidal wave. Uh, but we often feel, you know, what can I do or how is my little bit going to make a difference? Uh, And even when you think about, say, for example, you have a conversation with a friend and you're talking to them about Jesus and the conversation just goes nowhere. You know, and you come away just, you know, quite despondent. You know, I don't feel I've done anything good here. And in fact, I think I've probably done more harm than good. But often what we don't realise is we're just one sort of small part. We're one drop 
amongst many drops. And so actually that person might be having other conversations with a friend at work. And that friend's talking about Jesus. And as he hears this conversation, uh, it's the same message that he's hearing from two different people. And he looks at this work colleague's life and he looks at your life. He starts to see that actually following Jesus makes a real difference. Uh, and then there's this third friend of, of his and he invites him to a men's breakfast. And he reluctantly says yes, but he goes along and he hears the same message again. Nothing particularly new or original. But in that moment, he hears it and believes it and turns and repents. Yeah, in the words of Paul, one person plants, another waters, but God brings the growth. Yeah, you might be thinking, well, that's fine for, say, conversations about Jesus. I can see how that could pan out and make a difference. But what about, you know, vacuuming this floor or cleaning the toilet? You know, what difference does that possibly make in the big scheme of things? Well, in a small way, our environment says a lot to people, doesn't it? When you walk into a place, there is a first impression. That first impression is either going to be positive or negative. When you walk down the street and you're looking for a cup of coffee, you, you go to the place that you think is going to serve a good one. And all you've got to go on is, is the look. Yeah, does this place look like it's going to give me something good? Does this place look like it's going to give me something that is relevant for my life? And so in a small way, as people walk into this place, do we say, actually, this place is set up for a purpose? We're not just sort of wandering along with some sort of religious stuff. But actually, this is a really important thing that we're doing each week as we gather as Christians. So from the welcome at the door uh, to the way that we stand and praise God together, to the way that we pray, to the way that we open up the Bible, to the conversations after, they, they all paint a picture, don't they? Uh, and they should all paint a picture pointing people to Christ. You know, we don't know how God is going to use our efforts. Uh, and in one sense, it doesn't make any difference. Our job is to be faithful with the gifts that God has given us. And when, we, when our master returns, he expects to see results. So verse 21, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And God does not expect us to do what we cannot do. But he does expect us to do what we can do with the gifts that he has given us. And our value comes when we serve God faithfully. I think so often in life we're tempted to use our gifts to get the acclaim of the people around us. You know, who doesn't love to be affirmed? Who doesn't love to be told they're good at something? And so easy to lose perspective. Uh, absolutely, it is good to recognise that our contribution is valuable. That is a good thing. But the praise we really want is the praise from God. As followers of Christ, more than anything else, one day we want to stand before God and we want to hear these words. 
well done, good and faithful servant. You know, they're the words that Jude would have heard this week. You know, they're precious words that we've honoured our Creator and our Lord and our Saviour and our Master. And that really brings us to our third servant, the guy who thought it would be a good idea to bury the money and then came up with a really good reason in his head for doing it. So the back half of verse 24, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. The problem is his own excuse condemns him. He knows what his master expects and he doesn't do it. And so the master turns around and says, you wicked and lazy servant. I think often we feel we should use our gifts uh, if the opportunity happens to come along and if I have some spare time available. Uh, But Jesus expects more. Uh, Jesus expects us to actually prioritise our time and to prioritise using our gifts for him. And that means we need to make proactive choices. Uh, We need to look around for opportunities and make choices about how we use our time because we will be held to account. You know, this parable and the Bible generally, it's not saying that we shouldn't enjoy hobbies and going on holiday and and having a social life. Uh, But all of those things are kind of like getting subbed off in the basketball game. Okay, you get subbed off so you can sort of rest and recuperate and regroup and re-energise so you can then get back in the game. That's the point of getting subbed off. Okay, the point isn't to get subbed off and then go and eat a pizza. Okay, it's to relax for a moment so you're ready to go. And that's really what our leisure is for us. We do need to recharge. It is good to have time out. But we cannot use that as an excuse for copping out and for not using our gifts to serve our Lord. You know, this person's kind of like the Christian who says in name, I'm a Christian. Uh, They wear the label, uh, but very little else. Uh, Lots of expectation for how God is going to be committed to them, but very little expectation on themselves. Uh, This passage is not talking about the person who feels they're trying hard, but then wonders if they're good enough. That is not this passage. Uh, If that is you and you're going, no, I'm trying to serve Jesus and and is he happy with me? Uh, They're good questions to ask, but this passage is for the person who says, you know what, I'm just too busy and I cannot be bothered. So if you're wrestling with that question, odds are it's actually not your problem. And if you're not wrestling with that question, then that's something that you should be concerned about and I shouldn't move very much. But, you know, we need to heed this warning, don't we? Where he says, Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We cannot say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and then refuse to live in obedience to him. You know, being a Christian isn't just about being moral and being nice. It's actually about being committed to following Jesus. And so our purpose is to fit into God's purpose for our life. Now, God saved us through his son and there's nothing we can do to contribute to that salvation. But if we are truly saved people, then he didn't just save us to sit around. He didn't just sort of, you know, sit us down at the bus stop, you know, with a big bag beside us 
and say, okay, wait here until the bus comes along to take you to glory. He says, no, actually, I've given you this whole big bag of stuff. I want you to open that up and I want you to use it as best you can. And if you have been given a big bag of stuff, then he expects big things. You know, I hope there there are two reactions uh, from this parable. I think for some, uh, it challenges our view of what it means to be a follower of Christ. That it isn't just about being moral and nice. It isn't just about coming to church. It's about really committing ourselves to using what God has given us in his purposes. And so perhaps if you've been sort of around the edges, but not really committed, then can I challenge you uh, to think about what does it really mean to commit yourself to Christ? And if you need to repent, uh, then do that. And can I encourage you to do that? I think for others, it's less about our fundamental commitment and it's more about being intentional. Uh, And so for you, can I ask two questions for you to reflect on as we close? What gifts have you been given and where and how are you going to use them? Let me pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you that by your grace, you save us into your family uh, and that you call us to serve in your purposes. Uh, Lord, help each of us to see what gifts you have given us and help us to be faithful with them. And Lord, we pray that when we stand before you, that we'll be confident that you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.